Welcome into Adam's Plus One, where as you know, my Plus One is always the star of the show. I'm just here to make sure that we somewhat stay on track. Tonight, we got a very special episode, very special Plus One. His name is, as I call him, Sabri, baby. What is up, dude? What's up, Adam? Thank you for having me. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is uh, Sabri Abadrebo. I'm a good friend of Adam for, for many years. Um, from the Rockford 815 area, 815, baby. Um, I am Palestinian, Palestinian-American. Uh, grew up in the Rockford area. Um, I am a actual a, a doctor uh, specializing in hematology oncology, which is blood and cancer, uh, which I love. I love sports. Uh, so me and Adam have obviously had our share of sports debates. <laughs> and I can't wait to just dive right into you. Drive right into it with Adam. Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah, man. Well, before we even d- jump in, let me just touch on a few admin notes. Number one, welcome into our first, and I mean our first, virtual pod. Typically, my first two have been in person. That's not always going to be the case, right? It's 2023, Sunday night. No one's getting in their car and going to a studio tonight. We're going to knock it out virtually. It doesn't matter where we're at, anytime, any place. We're ready to jump on the mic and dive in. So, excited about that. Also, I touched on it in my last episode with Ryan in the studio, just to make it clear. Okay, so one more time. I am on the Belvedere YMCA board. I'm a pending board member. I will be, it'll be official here shortly. A big motivation for myself with this podcast is number one, to build my network. And in doing so, how can I, as I'm building my network, have that tie into my board membership slot? So I, I made it made a pretty um, a pretty easy connection for me. Every every plus one that comes on the pod, I ask them before to please donate any amount to the Belvedere YMCA. So, Saab, we just want to, we just want to, you know from the bottom of our heart, we want to thank you for your donation. You already checked the box before you came on. Means a lot. All of, I'm three for three or so far, looking to be 100 out of 100, maybe 1,000 out of 1,000. We'll take this thing as far as it goes. That's our admin note. Let's dive in. But before we even do that, Saab, tell the people at home, tell me, what the hell did you do today, man? How you doing? <laughs> I did great, man. You know, I uh, hit the gym, did some errands with the lady, you know, a typical kind of boring Sunday. Watched my, uh, watched the, you know, some sports, the Lakers, uh, Mav game was great. It was on the same time as the Fury-Paul uh, fight, so I had a little bit of a conflicting uh, schedule of conflict there, but it was great, man. Just a nice, typical, relaxing Hell yeah. Hey, uh, I didn't check the fight at all. I just watched the pre-hype. Did anyone win? It had to be over now. What happened to the fight? Yeah, yeah. So Fury won, which was it was a split decision. Uh, it was a great fight. I, thought, I, I really did think Fury won the fight, but uh, I was kind of concerned that they would just give it to Paul, considering... I don't want to say that it's been rigged in Paul's favor in the past, but, you know, he is kind of the golden boy of celebrity boxing, and it was impressive to see that Fury actually pulled it out. What You said you thought he won. How many did they go the full distance on, obviously? It went the full distance, eight rounds. I, I personally scored it as, like, 5-3 in favor of Fury. That's how I scored it. Um, but it whenever, in general in boxing, because it's such a uh, controversial sport, to put it lightly, the incumbent always has the advantage. So really, to beat the champ, you gotta you gotta really beat yeah. the champ. So if it's close, they're gonna kind of give it to the to the incumbent winner. But I was surprised, man. That, you know, they gave it to Fury and he pulled. It That's out. awesome. Good stuff. What about the basketball game? Tell me about that. What, what 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 made that game so great? Man, I mean, watching 
the Dallas Mavericks and the Lakers play. I can't wait for the NBA playoffs next, especially the West. Like it's just the amount of teams in the West that you can make an argument for to win it all. I don't think the parity in the league has been as good as it is as it is this year. I mean, uh, that game, like just seeing like Kyrie, Luca, LeBron, AD just going at it. I, mean, I don't think we've ever had this many stars in the NBA. So I just, I just cannot wait for the NBA playoffs just to see. It was just a little bit of a tease of what's more to come. Yeah, and now it sounds like, what's his name, Beasley? I saw the other night, he went like 7 for 11 from 3, which, man, LeBron, the minute that they got LeBron years ago, they should have been trying to surround him with shooters right away. So it's, I'm happy for him because he needs that, that guy that he can trust to knock down some threes, take some pressure off of him because that team has just been a bad three-point shooting team for a while. Worse, the worst. I mean, it's just common sense. That's why the Westbrook trade. Like, I was the first one to just hate it. Cause not that I don't like Westbrook personally. It's just that how does it? In order for Westbrook to be effective, he needs the ball and he can't shoot. Well, in a, in a LeBron organized team, LeBron needs the ball and he's best. LeBron's best when he's driving and kicking and getting guys open, getting shooters open. So, the the fit is just so much better with. Beasley and D'Lo, so I'm I'm really excited as a Laker fan to see what the what's the future. Hell yeah, me too, dude. So, uh, yeah, yep, like like I said earlier, happy to have you on. It's episode three. We're here on Adams Plus One. We got Saban. He's the man. One more thing to touch on as I, as I'm rambling before we jump into something that you're you've got going on is you'll notice tonight I'm rocking a training division. Uh, shirt. This is a the name of the brand is undefined. I went to went with college. I went to college with a guy, super driven, awesome dude. His brand's amazing. Um, if you if you have any time and you're into uh, you know, athletic wear and you're interested in small brand and supporting small brands, especially by someone who's super driven and growing their brand, please give him a follow on IG. The uh, he'll he'll always send like when he sends stuff, man, he'll like hand write his notes, and it's so cool because you don't get that when you buy stuff from like Nike, right? which I love. And so it's, it's just very, uh, there's that connection with your, with the person you're buying from and the brand. And I just want to read this one quote, this one thing that from me, from what he sent over undefined is an expression of self to know, no bounds, endless in form. Thank you for representing. So we're representing it tonight. Just want to point that out. Now stop. That's my one buddy's brand over here in college. Tell us about real talk with Sob and who's he man. Tell us about your podcast. Please give like, give the people a rundown, please. Yeah, so um, I recently started a sports podcast uh, with my good friend Hoozy. It's called Real Talk with Sab and Hoozy. Please give it a follow at Instagram. We're on all the platforms, iHeartRadio, like Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts. And I guess what motivated me is, uh, you know, every time, and Adam can attest to this, every time I'm in the gym with either Adam or a good friends of ours like Ben and Mo, we're just chopping it up with sports, kind of like barbershop talk, you know, and I, I just – as much as not that I don't love working out, but as much as I love working out, I love talking sports, right. right? And I've been wanting to do this for a while, but I guess due to a lack of like, or a concern of like how it would be received, that I kind of pushed it off. Like, no, I can't do this, or too busy making excuses. We always make excuses. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I'm just tired of it. I'm just gonna do it. So, you know, it's it's a sports podcast. We talk everything sports. We talk from fantasy to sports gambling to sports news. It's really just honestly meant to be kind of like a barbershop feel. Uh, and, you know, it's just some, you know, you're, you're, it's like your best friends talking and talking up shop. So I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I'm really excited for 
what's to come and uh, thank you guys for supporting so far and look forward to pumping out more content for you. and i can attest to i've jumped on the show multiple times i'm sure i'll jump on it multiple times uh, moving forward so anyone listening if you just want to listen to people cut it up about sports some guys from the local area know, know their sports trust me these guys know their sports i I can't tell you how many times I'm trying to get my chest workout in, but I got I got one more point to make because Saab comes up with a good point in the gym. So if you're driving somewhere and you want to know what's going on, breaking news, et cetera, follow uh, Real Talk with Saab and Hoosie on IG and also give them a follow on or subscribe on Spotify, iHeartRadio, whatever you're listening to, Apple Music. He's got all the – he's got the whole rundown. Give us a quick quick note on this, Saab. Obviously, you can handle difficult things, right? We're going to jump into – you mean you're, you're a doctor. Right? And that's not no easy no easy thing. You deal with with a lot of difficult, stressful time management, those things. We'll get to that. But tell me about this new challenge of hosting a podcast. It's much different, I'm sure, than than studying in med school, than you, growing up in America as a Muslim. Like that's those are challenges you face. But tell me about hosting a podcast. What type of new challenge that has been, and and tell people who who have been thinking about hosting a podcast your experience. So. Um, I will say it's definitely challenging and it's challenging for multiple reasons. One is, especially from the, the host perspective specifically, the host is kind of like the way I like to describe it, like the point guard on the court, like the quarterback. You got to make sure like you're setting people up, right? You got to set up your guests and you got to feed off of your guests' energy and their points and use your guests' points to build off, to transition to the next topic. Uh, and that's the hard. That's harder than just coming in prepared with your own points as a guest, uh, because you know you say your points, you say your bit, and you're done. As a host, it's like okay, your guest says your points. Now it's like all right, how do I acknowledge that point? And then not only that, but transition to my other guest who make sure he gets in, acknowledge his points, and then kind of bring it all together. Uh, it's definitely been harder than I expected. Podcasting in general is really hard. I mean, I give a lot of props to you, Adam, as well. Like I think. You never really know how hard it is until you get into yeah. it, uh, but it's it's been a rewarding, rewarding challenge, and I've I've enjoyed it, and it's it's built up your communication skills, and uh, I'm just you know I'm grateful that I started this, and just you know look forward to the challenge to come. Yeah, no, I, and to touch on that, I want to touch on something you said even before that about how it would be perceived, how it would be received. I had Ryan in the studio yesterday on episode two. We talked about criticism, people who look sideways at others who are doing something different clearly right Adams plus one it's much different than you know things i've done before right although maybe it's not as surprising i'm a little more active on social media you know this but it's still now you turn the camera towards you and you're talking right and we were talking about his fight career now you're talking about hosting a podcast now i will say what's awesome i told him about fighting because i trained martial arts with him but what's awesome about hosting a podcast is it it's a reminder that when you try something new it's difficult right and there's going to be, it's not like you do something you're great. I'm probably never going to have a perfect podcast. I trust me, I haven't yet in the two or three I've done. And I, I don't plan on having one, but I plan on getting better, like you said, with communication skills. However, it also ties into how it will be received, criticism. And so I was in the, I was in the shower. I'll just say it straight up. We're real on Adam's, Adam's Plus One. I'm in the shower. I'm listening to one of my favorite Eminem songs before the podcast yesterday. And Eminem opens up On Fire. It's a great song. I'm sure you've heard it, On Fire. And he says, you know the one thing about critics, man? Critics never ask me how my day went. Well, I'm going to tell them. And then a few lines later, he says, so that like before you write a blog, try and spit a flow. And what he's saying is, hey, 
before you criticize my music and my ability to rap or my ability to write, go pick up a pen, come up with some rhymes or pick up a mic, right? So when I started podcasting, it's like, man, now when I watch like a Joe Rogan or anyone, you start to really have an even more deeper respect for how hard it is, right? Because of all those things you touched on. So, And, and to kind of build off that point, right, regardless of even just the criticism, you will never grow as a person if you don't challenge yourself, yeah. right? If you don't get uncomfortable, right? We always, anytime, we don't, we don't like to get uncomfortable. We like our routine. We like you know, doing things that we know very well, right? But when we venture into something that we don't know, right, it's a challenge and that's how you grow. So I think that for me, it's just been, I'm learning not only how to do a podcast, but I'm learning kind of more about myself. <laughs> so it's, it, it, so I would recommend anyone who's interested, go out and do it. And, and yeah, it's going to be, it might be difficult. You might not like your product in the beginning, but that's part of that's part of the journey as far as building it and getting better. And it doesn't have to be a podcast. If you if you're trying to get into working out, do it. If you're trying to get start your business, write a book. I don't care what it is. But if you enjoy doing it, if you get ex as excited about whatever it is for you, that I know the two of us were because we've been texting each other back and forth, going through our overview. We do this on your podcast. We do it on mine today. So go do it. That's awesome. That's that's some good introduction stuff. So. Thank you for giving that again. Real talk with Sab and Hoosie. Go follow them. Go listen. Let's let's transition a little bit here, man. So speaking, I, I touched on time management. You're a doctor. I mean, I think that's that's awesome, right? So in your you stay fit and now you're on a podcast. You just add things. You have a kid coming on the way. We'll get into that. That's amazing. Congratulations. Hey, you know what? Sab's gonna be a dad soon. Let's give Sab a round of applause for being a dad soon. Let's go. Oh gosh! <laughs> okay, okay. So yeah, way to way to build more pressure. It's uh, <laughs> as if I'm already terrified as is. <laughs> so let's transition. How do you make time to stay in shape, be a doctor, husband, soon to be dad, and then you take on the hosting a podcast? How how do you do it? So I will say, let me let me throw it out there. It's hard. All right, it's hard. I would be lying to say it's easy. Anyone who says that. You know, time management for a very difficult lifestyle, you know, as a, as a physician is just, they're lying to you, right? Like you see those like YouTube videos where it's like, oh, I, I'm a doctor, I do this, this, and this, and I have time. So it's, it's, it's really hard, especially when you're in training, like residency or fellowship. I'm currently in fellowship specialty training for, um, you know, oncology cancer. Um, so but the one thing I will say, there's like little things that you can maximize your time through throughout the day. So for example, I know I wake up. And the first thing, you know, I'm, I wake up early. I wake up like 4.35 and I, I hit the gym right away. I don't waste any time in the gym. I'm in, I'm out. Um, I go to work and I try to maximize my time at work. I don't try to waste any time as far as, you know, not that I don't want to, uh, like, it, it, it's fine to, like, socialize with coworkers. I do socialize with coworkers, of course, and catch up. But a lot of times you can kind of get lazy and, you know, and, and waste a lot of time with, you know, well, kind of lollygagging at work. So I make sure to just try to get Can I ask you a question when you're at work, right? Talk about time management. Yeah. And you say being efficient. Do you do this? That's a question. Like where you have, where you might have before, especially now that you're running the podcast or you got a baby on the way. Do you find those pockets of time where maybe you were cutting it up with coworkers or maybe just kicking back? Do you like, hey, what do I want to talk about on the pod next, next tomorrow? Do you find yourself using that extra, what I call fluff time? Do you fill it and make it more efficient? Are you doing anything like that? 100%, 100%. Like, I mean, I, I still socialize with my coworkers because I think that it's, you need to, right? You need to have that that interaction, right? Social interaction with humans is dependent upon it. 
Um, but there's like times throughout the day where you're kind of like, uh, you know, in, in clinic in between patients and you're like checking out ESPN, you know, or whatever. Which is a part of it. I mean, that's what you got to do. Which is a part of it, right? It, it's just like, are you getting, like, I, like my, my, my clinic attending, he's a diehard Northwestern fan, you know, and he's always checking out Northwestern sports. <laughs> so, but I, I don't use that time anymore to like lollygag or whatever. I'm using that time now to either, what am I going to do on the podcast or like, how am I going to plan my weekend with my wife and go out with her? So, you know, using that fluff time, because believe me, there's so much like little opportunities throughout the day where we waste time. Like how much time do we spend on social media? Right. That I'm saying that like, social media is all bad. Like there's obviously productive things you can do on social media, promoting your brand, et cetera. But using that time to, uh, you know, maximize productivity, right? Yeah. So that's one thing. And another thing too, is that like, you really got to value, the most important thing is honestly valuing your time with your loved ones. Yeah. Right. So when I'm with my wife, I'm with her. Right. I, I have my phone away when we're eating dinner. I'm with her. I'm focused on her. I'm not talking about work. I'm not talking about any distractions. Like I'm just focused on her. Right. And I'm devoting my time to her. Right. When I go visit my family, it's the same thing. I go visit them. I talk to my parents, catch up with them. And that's really the most important thing is that you want to be when you are giving your time, especially to your loved ones, you want to make sure that you're devoting your undivided attention to them right yeah. don't be on your laptop you know uh you know looking up or like working at the same time like you know trying to spend you know like kind of having a conversation your wife's trying to have a conversation about your day like it's just you, you know you're, you're you're better off like setting some dedicated time finish your work and then go spend time with her or you know or your whoever your loved one is so that's been the biggest thing for me as i always set a time you know as far as dinner not only that but even on the weekends when i have my time off I'm sending time to, you know, so for us to go out and do things. So, so you're, more, you're just more, you're, and you're more intentional with the time. You're very intentional. Oh, 100%. 100%, man. Like, that's, the, that, it honestly makes you value things way more, right? It values the little moments more, you know, going to, you know, your little sister's birthday party, going to see your friends, right? I value, honestly, like, anytime I'm in Rockford now and I get a chance to go out, work out with you guys and see you guys, like, to me, like, that's such a valuable moment. Right, we, we, we took for granted when you're when you're younger and you have all, all this time on your hands because you think that it's always going to. Because realistically, we used to see each other all the time. Now I see you maybe once every three or four months if I'm lucky. Right? Yeah. So yeah. yeah, it's 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 definitely you know been more of a challenge, and I think that um, as I get a little bit more further in my career and a little bit less, uh, hopefully have a little bit more time on my hands. I think I just want to use that time to with my loved ones because. Working, let me tell you something, working in the field of oncology and seeing, you know, sick people, people die in front of you, COVID, being working through a pandemic, uh, it changes your perspective on life and you realize what's important, that's the people you love. Yeah. No, no doubt, man. No doubt. Let, let's stay there. Let's stay there because I, I wasn't asked this anyway, so you're already there. Let's just go with it. How do you walk us through people? I don't work in a hospital. I work in the financial consulting world, right? And so it's much different. Uh, Katie, my girlfriend, is a speech pathologist. So I absolutely like her day is way different than my day, right? Way different. And so in your day is much different than my day. Talk to you know, anyone here who's listening who couldn't relate. What is it like to walk out of the hospital? And I know this is, is not easy to talk about. You just lost a patient or it's not going well. And that's a serious thing, right? And then you go home, <laughs> maybe it could be anyone in your life kind of complained about something that you you realize because you have that perspective. It's like, hey, it's not a big deal. 
right? In your, how do you, how do you make that transition? Is it difficult? Talk me through that. So it's definitely difficult, right? It's, it's super difficult. You know, like the other week I lost my very first clinic patient who I treated with metastatic lung cancer. You know, he died and it was like really tough. He was like the nicest guy. Every time he saw me, he would give gifts. His family was amazing, like really nice person. So, you know, it, it hits you hard. It hits you hard that, you know, that you, there's an emotional connection. I know like as a lot of the older people who have been in the field, they kind of are able to kind of categorize work in personal life better. But it's still been a challenge for me. I would be lying to say it's not. But the one thing I've, I've tried to kind of comprehend is, yeah, work is, you know, using the, or having that appreciation of kind of what's important in life or, you know, being appreciative of what you have. Um, yeah, but at the same time, you know, you got to kind of separate. I try my best to separate work from personal life. It's just that's the biggest key, right? When you go home, I always tell my wife, anytime I go home, I leave work at home. So, for example, right, I don't watch medical shows. Right. <laughs> I don't. Like, I, medical TV shows, medical movies, I don't. Because, not that, I mean, not that, you know, a lot of times they're still drama. Well, that sucks because, dude, I wrote a bull whole bulletin about how we're going to talk about house. So, I got to scratch that. <laughs> but, but, yeah, but, no, I, I'm, I'm focused on when I, like, leave work at work and then come home. And because that's the number one thing is if you bring work. I used to do that. I used to bring work home and, like, let it affect my day. And it's not fair. It's not fair to your loved ones. It's not fair to yourself. You know, at the end of the day, if you did you did the best you can at your job as a physician all right you whatever the results are right whatever the results are you're going to be happy with that and you can be content and go home and enjoy your christmas yeah so so what advice do you give someone they jump in the car they had a tough day at any type of job any industry what advice do you give someone they have 20 minute 15 30 minute drive home what does sab do self-talk etc to make sure when he walks through the door what's your wife's name when you see her right to make sure you're in a you're in a good space to be the best husband you can be, right? You you, you leave you, you left work behind. What, what's that self talk sound like? What's that look like? You know, uh, so <laughs> there's like a there's a quote from an NFL player. Um, you want to read it to us? I, I, I'm trying to. Find hey, you're you're gonna laugh. You have plenty of time. Let me tell you a quick story. Uh, but basically, let, let me tell you a quick story as you're looking it up. Last night on the pod. Ryan, at the very end, he wanted to read a quote. <laughs> what he didn't realize, Sob, is that you don't know how hard it is to read a quote during a podcast with a mic in front of you. So before, you need to either really remember that quote or it needs to be in big font. He was, he was trying to read it. <laughs> it was so slow. I was like, oh, man. Anyways, we were giving him a hard time. Super fun moment. But, yeah, please tell us about this quote. So fun. Yeah, so it's actually Marquis Golden, who's an NFL receiver. Um, so it, the quote is, if you had – uh, $8,600 in your bank account and someone stole $10 from you, would you get upset and throw the remaining $86,390 away? And the answer is clearly no, right? Yeah. So, you know, the, the point is is that we have 86,400 minutes in seconds. Uh, seconds, seconds, seconds in a day, right? So, why would you let, you know, one bad encounter, right, ruin your day? Like it's, it, that just makes no sense to me, right? So, so what? Your boss yelled at you at work. So what? You had a little road rage this morning. Like, 
are you gonna let it ruin the rest of your day? What did you? What? Why? why? Like, what are you accomplishing doing that and letting that happen? So, that's the way I approach it. I love that. I think that's amazing. And whoever's listening, like, take that. Right. I think it's it's one of those things. You don't just say it once. You hold it somewhere. Write it down somewhere. Have it somewhere. Because when we get into those stress mindsets after work, it's easy to kind of see red. Right. I'll, I'll give you a quick story. I was in the Xbox, an Xbox Live party a few years ago with the boys playing 2K. And for me, when I when I jump on 2K, which I I don't do nearly as much anymore. So when mentality one of one hears this, they're going to say, man, this was a while ago. But probably two winters ago over Christmas break, you jump on. It's a decompression for me. I'm jumping on. I'm cutting up with the boys. It's like you're on a podcast, really, right? You got microphones on your head or on your, you know, over your head, just having a good time. Anyways, we're playing a game, right? We lose, we lose by one. But what happened was I, I think I fouled out, right? And we lose in the fourth quarter because they're down four to five. But we, we would have probably won had I not fouled out. Anyways, point is this. Some random person, they don't know, we don't know, jumps in our Xbox Live party, starts screaming, being very negative. It's stress coming your way, just like anything else in life. Then they leave the party. They're probably in the party for the chat for five, for 30 seconds. And an hour or two later, the group was still like hot, steaming hot over this thing that happened two hours ago for 30 seconds. A guy you're never going to see again or talk to again in your life. So I just chimed in and it's called the five by five rule or the five, you know, five rule. I'm sure you've heard of it, right? If you start asking yourself, is this going to matter in five, five minutes, five hours, five days, five weeks? realistically, a lot of our problems aren't going to make it past the five minute to five hour mark yet. We'll hold on to it for the rest of the night. So I always, I always put it in perspective, do the five rules, you know, the five by five rule that's worked for me. The 86,400 in a day is awesome. So I love that, man. That is good advice for listeners. We're here to provide value on abs plus one. I got Sabri in here. This is episode three. We're chopping it up. We're just we're just just getting in just in the little details here, right? Just just barely scraping the surface here. So, um, what I'd like to do now, listen, man, I've I've known you for a while, right? This it's easy to do podcast with you because it's it's a conversation. It's not some interview, just simple interview. Ask you a question, blah blah blah. We can we can really sink in here. I've probably never asked you this, Matt. This is more for me than it is for anyone. But you're a super positive, warm, like easy person to be around like you have good great energy right and I, I believe that you can feel good energy or right? we have that sense as humans what were you like as a child is that how you've always been people always been telling you that what was your childhood like and is has that always been with you is that intentional like did you become this like talk, talk to us about your positive energy man where does this come from you know you know what it is um i've always been like this uh, i've always been you know because i always like to look at life from that positive meaning but for me you know what it is? Honestly, it comes from my parents, and particularly my dad. So um, my dad, you know, he grew up um, overseas in Palestine. And he grew up, um, when he grew up, it was obviously wartime over there. And his two brothers, older brothers, were killed. And his uncle was killed. Um, and his mom, my grandmother at the time, said, you know, you're not staying here. You're going to go to America. You're going to find yourself a new life. Hopefully have a great life, and that's what he did. Um, so, you know, I I always say I always look at him, right? And he would he worked construction all his life, like just hard labor, like hard hard labor, right? And he would take me on these this construction trips too, and so I knew the value of hard work. But what I always you know appreciated is that he was 
he was always looking out for his family. And for me, it made me realize that, like, man, like, we don't realize how good we have it here in America. Like, how, or like, how, how good we have it in general compared to the rest of the world. Like, your problems are minuscule compared to, you know, people who don't have food, right? People who don't have a house. So it puts, like, it goes back to what I said originally, right? It puts life in perspective. Right. So for me, I've always been grateful. I've always been grateful. Like I had a big family. Right. Yeah. I didn't grow up like the most wealthiest, but I had everything I wanted. I all the new video game systems. My dad would still get get for yeah. me. Right. Sports, anything. Right. We had to watch. You had to watch sports. I mean, there's fields without TVs. There's places without. Bro, I loved it, bro. And not only that, you know, I played high school football. And not only that, I had the greatest like group of friends. That all we did, like, we were just close. We were real. Like we we just hanged out, play sports play video games, have fun, go to movies. Like, it was just, it was, honestly, my childhood was the best time of my life. I wish, wish I could go back and relive. You can tell. I mean, no, I can tell. When I meet people with really great energy, I was telling Katie this, my girlfriend. I keep saying my girlfriend. My girlfriend's name is Katie, guys. Everyone that's listening, you'll know if you follow me on social. So, Katie, I was talking to her. So, we go to, we go to Culver's the other night. That's right. I had a cheeseburger at Culver's. Okay. You can make fun of me in the DMs or whatever you want to do. I had a, I had a nice double cheeseburger. Hey, that Butterburger's pretty that good, That Butterburger's phenomenal, dude. So, That's pretty good. We had amazing customer service from this girl named Jackie at Culver's in Belvedere. She's awesome. And she had great energy, et cetera, everything. And you just, even though you're only around her for 10 minutes, there were a few things she did. And I told Katie, anytime I, I run into those people, I always automatically think, like, what was their childhood? Like, why are they like that? Like, I start just psychoanalyzing probably because it's interesting. I mean, that's why I'm doing this podcast because I want to learn about people that, that I want to talk to. So it's awesome to hear that about you. I'm learning about you and I'm, I've known you for a while. So we love that around here. Um, I guess where I want to go next, you touched on it with your dad is, but I want to go in a different, different direction with it. You're Muslim, correct? Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. I'm fortunate that, that as a, that, you know, Ben and G being around them, being around you guys going to the mosque and playing basketball, just that little bit of interaction with, what my experience with Muslims, they're some of the most hot, like hospitable, warm, loving people, right? But talk to me about maybe the challenges growing up in America as a Muslim. What's that been like? Yeah, so, you know, it was really challenging years ago, uh, especially like right after 9 11. Um, you know, I'll never forget, like, for example, like, we never had any problems, and then, like, suddenly, like, at the bus stop, me and my brother are getting into fights because kids like oh can i put this in your backpack because you have a bomb in there or like people looking at my mom funny because she wears a scarf uh so it was definitely a challenge early on it's gotten so much better but i think the one thing is that you kind of already said it perfectly is that we any muslim you kind of represent islam right and the thing is is that the best way to kind of prove these misconceptions wrong it's just by living your life and being a good person, right? So, you know, like things that we value in our religion is like being a good neighbor, right? Being, being, just being a good person, being charity, right? Being kind. Um, so it, people, it's been, it was challenging, but it's kind of was almost as if you could, we, we as, a, as a Muslim that I use that opportunity to educate people. Right, so so many people I knew, right, who knew nothing about, you know, what it is being Muslim, what it, what the lifestyle was like, 
right? When they saw me, they're like, wait a minute. This guy is like just like me. He works out. He loves sports. He goes to the movies. He likes to go out to dinner. Like, there's really not much of a difference if you think about right. it. With a like, few, very few exceptions, right? Like, obviously, people like to really drink and pork. But, you know, if you actually, you know, we, we grew up as best friends. Muslim, <laughs> so uh, I think that it was an opportunity. It was a challenge, but it was a good opportunity to uh, kind of, you know, provide some knowledge and hopefully, you know, put some misconceptions to bed. And I've honestly had a great experience nowadays. And a lot of people have now know more, and they uh, I think the misconceptions are less. More so you you, you can you can kind of feel. Can you feel it's gotten better in terms of the perceptions and the in the oh, yeah. in the response that you get. I, I, Hundred percent, hundred percent. I think it's, I think it's gotten better, um, and I think that it's will continue to get better. I think you're always going to have some people in general, not just for Muslims. In, in general, you're going to always have some people who, unfortunately, maybe they they'll always have a little bit of hatred towards people for, you know, just because of who they are. Yeah. But I know so many people who have changed their, it's changed their perspective, and they it's it's brought them a new kind of new understanding and appreciation. Yeah. Talk to me about Ramadan, man. I mean, obviously. It should be coming up. Not too, uh, I know it gets pushed. Yeah, the calendar moves, so you can you can touch on that in a second. But yeah, obviously that's something that you've done probably every year you've been alive. I'd imagine, right? You have a missed Ramadan, right? That's amazing. Yep, yep. Very difficult thing to go through. Talk about your experience. I'd really want to hear about maybe if you could do like the first time you did it, right? When you were a kid, I'd like to hear that. If you have any stories, yeah. like, please share those. Yeah, bro. So. Um... <laughs> So as as a kid, I mean, we're not we're not we're not it's not mandatory as, as a young child to do it, obviously, because it's it's just before a child probably understand. But once you kind of have that understanding, particularly in your like teenage years, that's when you're kind of expected to you know fast. So we always do like half days first. So you know, so basically, so people who understand Ramadan is from we fast from sunrise, uh, which depending on you know whether it's winter or fall or spring, typically like you know like five in the morning around there, four in the morning is when the sunset. Right, which again, depending on you know where we're at in the lunar calendar, uh, you know it could be anywhere from six o'clock or even like four o'clock in the winter time, to like eight 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 thirty nine o'clock in the summertime. Right. So um, when I was a kid, thankfully it was in the winter time, so we would do half days. You know, ain't gonna lie, uh, you know, hope the mama ain't listening, but I used to sneak a little pee <laughs> here and there. <laughs> <laughs> Because I didn't know any better, right? But then, you know. <laughs> I had to been sneaking what protein is, cookies too, bro. You don't even have to tell right, me. Right, right. Those little Larry's cookies, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> I'd be like, hey, I'd be like, I know Jesus is up there. God, Allah is up there. And they're looking down like, hey, bro, I get it. You're trying to keep the gaze. I understand. You know? Right? Yeah, I know. Um, but, you know, honestly, what it, what really it's about, right, is it's, it is, it's about kind of a, you know how, like, Aaron Rodgers is going on this, like, spiritual cleansing like that's what kind of Ramadan is right it makes you appreciate number one is like it makes you appreciate food the people who don't have food right um you're it, it teaches you patience right it's a chance for you to kind of get more spiritually closer to god um i love it it's my one of my favorite times of the year right yeah. like everyone is so nice everyone is so you, you they come together in the community to pray at the mosque we don't see these people all the time now we're seeing them every night um it, it's just and we get together as family we do more dinners together it brings us closer and it's it's honestly the greatest time and 
honestly, as far as from a, a health perspective, I kid you not, I feel great. Like I feel great that I'm along. Um, I still work out. I'll work out either at, you know at night. Um, the, the the sleeping schedule gets a little difficult. Not gonna lie, because uh, a lot of times you're kind of up late, and then you take like a nap in the day. That can be a little difficult. You can feel a little groggy from that, but it's. Uh, I think you can honestly ask a lot of people who, a lot of moving people work out. Like they they still maintain. Um, sometimes they use it as a cut, and they love it. Yeah, hell yeah. I would say, and don't, and I, I don't think you would, but I would say the way I view it because I've never gone through it. Right. It my reference and my very very novice mind over here. It to me it looks like a spiritual boot camp. Right. Yeah, like a spiritual training. Like you know, in football you do two days, or in an army you do a boot camp. Or that's what it reminds me of. Like if it's spiritual, and I know obviously you're you're dehydrated in food, but because you're it's it's your spiritual boot camp, and I think what it would really develop is a um, is a tough mindset. And so when we talk about tough mindset with Saab again, we've got Saab here on Adams Plus One Episode Three, first virtual. We're cutting it up. We're having a great time. Are you having fun? I'm having a great time. I'm having a blast. Okay, good. Because I'm having a blast. And so, by the way, you didn't ask me what I did today, but just letting everyone know, I finally, it's okay. We're not going to crush you for that. When I come on your pod, you can you can ask me what I did for the day. I finally watched Dexter for the first time. So, oh, bro. So you like it? So good. Great show. Oh, my God. I, but, I, 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 it's one of my top, it's got to be definitely top 10. It's up there. I mean, and from, from what I know, right, there are certain shows. Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones, Dexter, right? These, these are shows that are iconic. They're great shows of all time. There's no doubt they're good shows. It's have, you, have I seen all of them? No. But this morning, Katie and I were laying in bed, waking up, talking about, you know, it's like 5 a.m. We're talking about what we're going to do for the day. And she's like, man, you know, we really need to get a TV show going. And she loves Breaking Bad and she loves Dexter. I haven't seen either, but I've seen a lot of great shows. Okay, but we'll, we'll put Breaking Bad aside. I understand I should see it. Okay. So she's like, which one do you want to see? And I'm like, or start... I guess Dexter, right? That's why I said 30, 20 minutes into the first episode. I'm like, okay, let's watch like two episodes tonight and like one after the podcast. <laughs> so, again, that's that's what I was up to today. I, I lifted the part. I had a great training sesh. I got some stuff done and then I was like, Dexter. That's what I've been up to. But I want to transition because we talked about we talked about Ramadan and then I, I believe spiritual boot camp. I think it toughens your mindset. And I know that there's no better example of a tougher mindset than your favorite player, probably in any sport, I would imagine, than Kobe Bean Bryant. So, I want to know, when did you become a Kobe fan? Like, what's your first memory of Kobe Bryant? Maybe a highlight, maybe a game you watched. When did it happen? Tell us about it. Man, so, this is Kobe Jelly Bean Bryant. So, I have family who lives in California, and I would go visit them. My mom's family, and they took me. I might have been like maybe eight or, eight or nine years old. They took me to Staples Center, and I got to see Kobe and Shaq up there somewhere. And I think they were playing the Clippers, and I was just like, "Okay, this is nice." So I, I like Kobe Bryant is my my Michael Jordan, right? I mean, I got to see Michael Jordan a little bit, but I was like really young. I couldn't really appreciate Michael Jordan, right? Kobe Bryant was my Michael Jordan. And the one thing I loved about Kobe, right, was his work ethic, right? So, for example, a story that always sticks out to me was a story with Jay Williams, right? Jay Williams was a great basketball player. Um, 
bowls, obviously. He had a little bit of a tragic with the motorcycle accident after the motorcycle accident. Next career was never the same. But anyways, so they were playing the Lakers, Kobe. And he came, he came like early, early, like like five, six hours before the game, right? Shooting around. Kobe was already there shooting around. And he keeps shooting, keeps shooting, keeps shooting, right? J1 was like, man, we got a game, man. I'm getting tired. I'm going to go rest up before the game. Kobe's still shooting. Kobe stayed shooting to the game. I think Kobe dropped like 37 or 39 on him, right? And Jay was like, man, how is this guy not tired? So he went up to Kobe after the game. He's like, yo, man, you kept shooting around. Like, Why were you shooting around? You don't get tired for the game? Kobe's like, I wanted you to know that you will never outwork me. <laughs> I was like, man, like, proper well, mentality. As I grew older, I just appreciated that, right? That I used that in med school. I was like, all right, like, listen. I know maybe I'm not I might not be the most intelligent, I might not be the most talented, but I know if I work the hardest, right, I got a shot. Right. So that's how I used Kobe and just idled him and appreciated him because he never took a night off. He never took a night off. And I, I feel like especially nowadays with load management and players sitting out that, you know, it, I don't think we'll ever see another Kobe Bryant. Yeah, man, that's beautifully said. I share a lot of those sentiments. And I, I remember that story because I think Kobe even said to him, by the way, I was about to wrap up my shoot around, but then you walked in. And when you walked in, he said, oh, you're going to shoot too? Don't, no problem. Hey, no problem. I'm going to shoot until you're done, right? One thing, one thing I loved, and by the way, same thing. When I first started watching ball, ben, ben and G got me into basketball, and that was probably – Eighth, ninth grade, so we're talking 2007, 2008. Kobe was, I'll never forget, the highlight I remember. You probably probably remember this too. They're playing the Houston Rockets. I'm on the phone. Katie can hear me, so maybe she'll get mad. But I'm on the phone with a girl. I was talking to her back in middle school, you know, high school, whatever it was. You know, hey, little shorty, right? And so, and I'm, she's, you know, this girl's just talking, whatever. And I'm, I'm watching the game. Kobe fakes a jump shot. I think Yao Ming is in the paint. Throws the ball off the backboard, goes and gets the ball and lays it in. And I'm just like, I dropped the phone. I'm like, like, dude, you can't practice. <laughs> but you, you know what's crazy is he has practiced that because Kobe was always ready, right? And he practiced that. He was such a any ability that Kobe Bryant had, he realized it. And that's the beauty about Kobe Bryant, right? Is that is that yeah, LeBron might be more athletic, right? Maybe Michael was a little more athletic. And I know Michael worked hard. I just don't think anyone, like you said, Kobe never cheated the game. I, I don't. He kind of has that Tom Brady vibe in that way. But I really wanted to dig into that because I know you're a big Kobe fan. Honestly, man, I think he, and I know what I want to talk about in your podcast more, Kobe got robbed of a lot of MVPs. He was the best player in the league for a long time. And when people go, who's the best all time, and they just skip to LeBron – a lot of that has to do, I think, with the way the media received Kobe, perceived him, based off of everything that happened. I'm not going to sit here and defend anything that happened, but I think he kind of got robbed because because he deserved more MVPs. He deserved more hardware in his in his trophy case, but that is what it is. So, go ahead. Now, you want to say something? One last thing. I want to say something on Kobe. There's one thing you, I mean, whether you hate him or love him, there's one thing that you can say about him, no matter what, is that he maximized his talent. Yeah. Right, you know, there's like a there's a tale, there's a, there's a quote in a Bronx tale, a movie. Speaking of movies, and it's one of my favorite quotes. Like the saddest thing in life is wasted talent. So 
right? How many times have you seen sports guys who have all this talent, but they just waste it? They don't work hard, and they just throw it down the drain. The one thing you can never say about Kobe Bryant is that he didn't work his absolute hardest and busted his ass out there. So that's 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 the one thing I wanted to say. Like, you got to respect the guy. And when he left the league, he became a great storyteller, like phenomenal storyteller, right? I mean, Kobe was was he spoke multiple different languages. Very intelligent person, awesome person. Love him as well. So now we touched on Kobe Bryant's mindset. Now we'll first touch on Ramadan, right? And I talked about, you know, the spiritual boot camp. And I'm sure it takes a tough mindset. You probably, you know, look at Kobe for that. And then I think about the mindset that you would need to get through medicine. Okay. And so that's obviously a big part of who you are, man. You're a doctor. And obviously that's a big part of this whole having you on the podcast. I want, I want you to talk about yeah. that. And we've talked about a lot of things. We're building up. We're building. We're going to build, right? So again, everyone listening, we're on Adams Plus One, Episode 3. We've got Sabri on here. By the way, he is a doctor. It's time to dive into that, okay? Let's dissect your medicine journey. Now tell me this. How old were you when you knew you wanted to study medicine, dude? What were you at? Middle school, high school? Well, I was, I was, I think maybe, I was really young. I think it was when my aunt passed away from breast cancer. It might have been like, 11 12 around there sorry to hear that i was like yeah thanks man i mean i i knew i was i just saw i looked at the doctors taking care of her and i looked at like the way they like i was kind of in awe of their like kind of their their presence and how well they were respected and knowing so much about the human body so that's when i first you know striked interest and it just kept growing and growing and building from there was there ever a time where you were like, you or someone told you, you can't do it, you're not going to make it at any point? Or do you felt So many times. So many times. So many times. <laughs> Tell me, does, any, does anything stick out? Like a story, you got a story that, that really stands out and how you how that, how that happened, like that feeling. Yeah, of, yeah man. But, you know, so um, there's so many. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll stick to when I was doing one of my rotations in med school at uh, an OBGYN doctor, right? He was like, I don't want to say <laughs> I'm saying asshole, but he was not a very pleasant guy to work for, right? He was tough, man. And I remember him at the end of the rotation. He was like, "And I, I don't think you're gonna finish. I think you're at best average. I don't think you'll make it." He told you that. And that was he told his, you that. that straight up in, in my face. Yeah, like that was his evaluation. So I'm like, okay. I'm like, let me keep your number. I remember this. So. You know, for the longest time, right, when I matched, I sent him a picture, right? Doesn't respond. And then when I win, I think I won some awards when I was in residency, like Best Resident Award and everything. I sent him a picture, just average, right? And I won it again the following year, sent it again, just average though, won't make it, right? So then finally, right, did you say that as well? Did you say that just average won't make it? Yeah, I, I just kept sending it to him, right? And he would never respond. And then finally, I ran into him. I, yeah. so I ran into him at a doctor's convention. Uh, as a doctor, you ran into him too. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, I ran into him to a doctor's convention. And um, he saw me, right? He's like, <laughs> first thing he says to me. He's like, congrats. And I was like, thank you. And he was like, listen, I want to say I'm sorry. 
forever doubting me. I told him, you know what I responded? I said, I don't need your sorry. I said, I don't want your sorry. I didn't do it for you. But I wanted to know, actually, what I told him is, I want to thank you. Because you lit a fire under me. So I told him that, and he was just like, damn, that's rough on this kid. So, I mean, there's nothing more I love than proving people wrong. It's kind of petty. Now as i gotten older, I've kind of let it go, right? Yeah. When you're younger, you're like, oh, man, you think I can't do this? Like, all my life I've been told I can't do it. You don't be a good doctor. You're not. I have a person who, like, I know who's like, oh, you're a nobody. Like, you're not going to make it. Now this person, you know, like, is, like, trying to, like, for keep it simple terms, kiss my ass. I'm like, bro. Listen, man, if you're not with me when I'm low, don't be with me when I'm high. Hell yeah, man. So, you know, that's just how I look at it. So that's why I love, like, the people from Rockford who I grew up. You know, to them, you know, they don't see me as a doctor. <laughs> I'm just their friend. So it's been, it's, been a, it's been a journey for sure. Adam, you there? Hey, it's okay. We dropped, but it's still it's gonna go ongoing, so we should be just a okay. We're good, yeah. And I hope we got your great answer in because I think it happened after, so I think we're great. That was that was awesome. Yeah, I think we're good. So again, no, just beautiful. We're just gonna keep keep it rolling. Uh, again, we're here on um, Adams Plus One. Saab just gave a great breakdown on a doubting on a doubter along his his journey to become a doctor. And I, I know your last thing you talked about is it is petty to. To try to try to prove doubters wrong, right? And I guess what I'd like to talk about now with that, and then we'll we'll keep it moving. But I want to touch on this for a little bit. You got time, right? You're not you're not enough. No, I got no, I got plenty of time. Oh, that's why I put it at six. <laughs> for, you, Adam, we, for you, Adam, I got all the time in the world. That's what we like to see. That's a that's a great plus one. That's a great plus one. <laughs> By the way, what do you think of the name plus one? Adam's plus one. What's your reaction to that? Do you like that? What do you think? I of love it? it. You like it? I personally love it. Yeah, I think it's great. I think because it's really about. The plus one, I like, kind of mentioned, implying that it's really about the plus one. Like, so it's about your guest. Like, you, you, when you say plus one, it's about that person you're bringing with you, right? So you're bringing your guest with you. And it's about the guest. So I personally love it. Because, I mean, think about this. I know we're not going on a date. This is not a date. But what I'm saying is when you do go on a – you bring your plus one, it's someone says, hey, tell me about your plus one. Tell me about so-and-so. And so the way I looked at it was, why not have a podcast where I know a lot of strivers. I know a lot of people who, look, ECBS isn't kicking your door down and be like, hey, stop, tell me about your doctor career and all that, right? But, <laughs> but, but I want to hear about it. And there's someone out there that you're relatable. Someone is listening to this right now. They're in med school, right? And I hope they hear the clip about someone doubted you wrong, doubted you that you wouldn't make it. Someone is going to get told, hey, you're just average. You're probably not matching. And I want them to hear that, hear about a very positive, hardworking person who had to deal with that and how you went about it. So let's dive back into that and how when it comes to someone doubting you, you want to prove them wrong. At a very, that was motivating for me when I was younger. And then my uncle Bob, he really helped me. And I'm not saying there's no right, it's a philosophy. 
I love that because doubters are great and haters are great, in my opinion. When you get to negative criticism, you got to filter it, right? If someone came to me who had an amazing podcast and said, hey, Adam, right, they're successful, they made it, they have a great podcast, I like what you're doing, I might do these things differently. And usually winners in life are going to give you great criticism constructively. You look at it and say, yeah, I'm going to take that. When some Cheeto-eating blogger, right, gets on you, right, or maybe even a doctor who, who can be a great doctor, but kind of a an a-hole like what you talked about who doesn't really want to see anyone develop isn't really interested in that you got to filter it right because like do you want to be that type of doctor ryan holiday has a great talk short talk and he goes when someone when someone like gives you negative criticism and then he goes look at the source right do you want to be anything like this person and then you're like no do you admire this person no is this person someone that you'd want to hang out with and, and, and be around no then hey who gives a shit what they say? You don't want to be like them anyways, right? I'm happy that you don't agree with me because I wouldn't want you to because I, I would never want to be like you, right? So anyways, that's a, that's one part of it. The other part is look, switching the mindset from it's nice to, to prove those people wrong. It's a good, to me, short-term fire. But maybe the way I look at it now in life is I want to prove the people that really believe in me right. Like I want to prove my mom right, right? 100%. Like, like, go ahead. No, I'll say like 100%. Like that, my mentality mentality totally changed because in the beginning for me when i started on this journey it was all about proving people wrong but then right you get a satisfaction right when you prove someone wrong but like you said it's a short-term short-lived satisfaction what made me more what drove me more was when i woke up one day i'll never forget it man i'll never forget my dad worked the overnight shift right saw me studying downstairs in the basement man hasn't sleep man is tired hungry what did he do you know what he did? He cooked breakfast, brought it downstairs, gave me a plate. He's like, here, here you go. Here's a cup of coffee and some breakfast. I was like, man, that's why I'm doing this. Oh, right? yeah. That's why I'm doing it right here for that, for family, because of the man who supported me for everything, who gave up everything for me so I could live my dream. So just wanted to throw that out there because, you know, yeah, proving somebody wrong, you, it, it feels good. I'm not going to lie. It feels good, but. It's a short-lived feeling. Yeah. What's more, what's more satisfying is proving the people who support you right. Yeah, it's it's the best feeling. Like I'll never forget, man. You know, for me to get to go to college, I had to sacrifice four years active duty the way that I chose to do it. Sacrifice four years active duty away from my family, which is fine. It was something I I volunteered. I loved it. And then knocked out school at night, got my associates, get out of the army, finish up my, you know, basically a double major in accounting and finance. And I'll never forget, dude. My I mean, straight up, my mom would get mad at me for saying this. My mom doesn't have a high school diploma, bro, right? So yeah. All she ever wanted for all of us was to get the, get our high school diplomas. Yeah. Get your high school diploma, she'd be proud. And I wanted to get I wanted to get a college education for myself. And then number two, I wanted to prove that that my mom believed in me and, and, and wanted, wanted one of us to get a college education. I knew it meant just as much to her as it, it did to me. She always believed in me, man. Like when I left for the Army, I sat my mom down on the couch. We were losing our home, right? And I said, I got to go do this for me. So that way someday I can help you, right? And I'll never forget, man. I, I walk across the stage. I'm like, it's cool, right? Like I, I graduated top of my class, whatever. That stuff didn't matter. What mattered was that when all these people moved out of the way, like when I made eye contact with my mom and it was like, dude, seeing her like tear up, seeing her so proud, dude, like she's like, my son didn't just do it. He did it the right way. Like didn't ask for a handout, went after it. He said he was going to do it at, I think it was 19 or 20 and he's sitting here at 25 and he did it. 
It's hard, dude. Like, it, you could do that with anything. But, like, seeing my mom so proud, and my mom's always believed in me, I don't care what doubters think, right? As long as, when I ask, when I tell my mom about my ideas and she supports it, I'm like, whatever, my mom loves me. She's going to love me anyways, right? So, so, I just keep my focus there, right? So, anyways, yeah, no, I, I think. God bless our mamas, man. Oh, for sure, dude, for sure. So, I love that. Let's jump back into med school. We love where we're going. Again, we got Saab here on Adams Plus One. Had a little bit of a technical difficulty, virtual, bear with us. We'll fix it in post. Saab knows all about post. Yeah. <laughs> Post-production. So, Med school, man. Take me through med school. Okay, this is a serious question. You're going in. You're going into med school after college. I'm sure you're like, man, this is going to be hard. Was it in some ways harder than you thought, and in other ways easier than you thought? Can you like give a comparison of maybe different areas? So, um, just probably a quick little background on myself personally, and then we'll we'll dive into this field. Of so I I I, I didn't. I actually got declined from American Med School uh, the first time I applied. Um, and you, you just kept proving everyone wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, um, it's, it's, it's been a journey. It's been a journey. So I got declined first time. I, I didn't do great on the MCAT. I, I took it again. So in, in, for an American Med School, you have to only apply certain cycles. You can only get in during the fall. But then I was just, like, depressed, like, waiting. And um, – I was like up like one night, three in the morning. I saw an option for a Caribbean med school. So I, I looked at it and I literally was like, man, I kept looking at it, researching it. And I was just unhappy. And I was like, I need to do this. Like I had some money saved up. I saved up money from working. And I kid you not, two weeks later, I was on a plane. I was in the Caribbean, right? <laughs> All my money. I was like, let's go. Let's do it. So I went there and I'll never forget this. And I always tell this story, man. It was, it, it's this is mind-boggling. I'm not making this up. I kid you not. I don't want your audience thinking I'm fabricating this story. I'm not lying to you. I I get there. I get to this very small airport on this very small island called Angula. And I land, and I go to a taxi cab. I was like, hey, I don't – I booked the apartment ahead of time online. Never seen the place. And I, and I don't even know the address. I, I was like, listen, man, I, let me call the, the landlord like where I'm renting from. Get the address. So, call her. She's like, "Okay, hand the phone to the taxi cab driver." So I hand the phone to the taxi cab driver. She's like, "Okay, you're gonna go down here, go down this market, take a left." I was like, "Wait, wait, wait!" There's like, there's no addresses. There's no <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, I'm from America. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. I was like, "What the hell is going on?" So, you know, that that was the first thing. I was like, "Oh gosh, what did I get myself into?" So then, you know, she was nice. She meets me where the apartment is. Apartment was fine, whatever. So then she takes me to this market. A small market, which like, listen, as Americans, we are spoiled with the groceries we have here. I'm telling you, go to a different country and like you will just appreciate the, the, the availability of food we have here in America and the pricing too, because everything in an island is imported and it's super expensive. So I, I go there, I'm like, what the hell is this? I, they don't even have like the groceries I want. So I, whatever, I get some things just to survive. And then I'm in an apartment. I spend all this money getting here. And I have this like crappy food. I shouldn't say crappy food, but like food that's like not I'm accustomed to by myself in this small island. And I'm just like, I just broke down crying. I was like, what am I doing? Like, I spent all my money here. I'm here by myself. Damn. I make the biggest mistake of my life. And then I go into the bedroom and there's this huge whiteboard in the closet. Huge whiteboard. And I, I'm not lying to you. And it says on the whiteboard, 
never give up. Damn. I'm not lying to you. Like, I think it was the pr- person, the previous student who owned it. And I was like, okay. I was like, listen, I'm going to bust my ass off. I may not succeed, right? But the way I approached it is I'm going to leave everything out there. Right? It's the old saying like in the football. Like, you leave everything out in the field, you live with the results, win or lose, right? So that's how I took it. I was like, I'm going to leave everything out there. I'm going to do my best. And if I make it, I'll make it. And, you know, thankfully looking back – Six years later, it's it's incredible, but seven years later, actually, but um, it was a challenge for sure. Med school was a challenge, man. Like it, but I will say it was harder than I thought. But it goes back to what I said earlier. Earlier, challenging yourself, you grew. So med school was hard, but it, the process got easier. The process didn't get easier because the process itself was easier. The process got easier because I got better. Yeah. Because I got better managing time. I got better learning how to study. I got better, you know figuring out what works for me. You got more so, comfortable when things were uncomfortable. Like, you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. hundred percent. You don't flinch as much, right? Yeah. I, I mean, you know me. I'm a huge sports fan, right? So are you. I love watching quarterbacks. You, you probably can tell by the way I break things down. And so everyone looks good in the clean pocket, dude. Everyone looks – I always laugh when they're like, oh, man, like, like uh, so-and-so didn't have a good year. And then you look and their pressure rate's really high. There are some anomalies where, like, Ben Roethlisberger at times in his career was really good against pressure. Just ridiculous, right? Against against legit, like, pressure in his face when he's throwing. Not blitz, because you can blitz, but if you, they don't touch you, it's different, right? But uh, I always think about that in life. When things are really stressful, I always say, like, okay, I, I, the pocket's just not clean right now. But that means I got to get I gotta hit my check down, right? Mm-hmm. And hitting your check down now, what it's like, now you got to learn how to delegate things and spend your, and get your focus on the highest use and – Make sure that you're not getting overwhelmed and flustered because you've seen it in the game. I've seen games where quarterbacks, it's just obvious they've gotten hit too many times and their their clock starts speeding up. They start making mistakes, simple reads. We do it in real life. We get stressed, clock speeds up, start making mistakes, not just taking what's there. It's the same thing. It's a, it's a really, to me, a simple analogy. What do you think about that? No, I, I love it because the thing is, is that, right, uh, what is the like there's like a quote i think like life is like 90 percent of things that you can't control that happens to you and the other 10 percent is how you re- or like the opposite life is like 10 percent of like things that you can't control that happen to you 90 percent of how you react yeah. right like that's that's what it is right so like you you're getting you're getting pressured you know throw it to your check down live another day like live, you know that's exactly what life is about too so you know things aren't going to go always move up move on to the next play move on to the next thing my journey was far from perfect right but I ended up getting to the same goal. So, yeah, definitely, definitely. Want to touch touch on one thing before we move on? You talked about never give up. You talked about you're going to make the most out of this, get the most out of it. And so, Les Brown has a great speech where he talks about he references Isaiah Thomas and Isaiah Thomas played for the Pistons, right? And he said Isaiah Thomas once said, "I'm either going to shoot us in or I'm going to shoot us out, but I'm not going to do anything. Like I'm not going to stand around and just do nothing, right?" And that goes back to Kobe. One of the reasons I love knowing I have Kobe on my team, like if I could coach any player, and I love Michael Jordan, I want Kobe because he's a very – not that Michael isn't. and He's just very aggressive. I don't have to question if Kobe is ready for a moment, he's ready to take the last shot. I never have to worry about that. If anything, I might have to pull him back a little bit, but give me the person in life that you got to pull back that, that goes out there trying. And so I love that. I love that you were sitting there and obviously emotional – tough time period, but you, that, you see that quote, great story, and you said, you know what, 
I'm going to go out swinging. That's it. That's how it's going to be. No regrets, right? No regrets. Whether You're not going to regret if you did your best, truly did your best, left it out there, and then you didn't fail, and you failed. You're not going to regret. You're not going to have any regrets. But if you don't try, if you don't go down swinging, you will live with regret, and that's that's the worst thing in life is regret. Absolutely. Speaking of giving your best and 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 how to look at things, and we've talked quite a bit about your positive personality, right? It almost seems like you've been grateful your whole life. You've had great perspective because when you were a kid, you had the perspective of what your what your father and your family had went through, and and, and you could really see how how good you had it, right? Well, that ties really well into the field and in, in, in this uh, the niche field that you're in as a doctor. So. When, when was the moment where you knew you wanted to do chemo? Was it when you went on rotation? Talk us through how that how that clicked for you and when that was. Yeah, so um, medical oncology, you know, I, I'm a medical oncologist, so I administer chemo, and um, that's where that's not predominantly what I handle. Um, I knew when I was young that was what sparked, sparked my interest when my mother, I mean, my aunt had breast cancer. But as I kept getting older and just like, it, like a fascination like how do we treat this how do we beat this right it's always the number one question in my mind like how do we beat cancer right how do we get better and what's amazing is as a as a medical student and, and rotating as a resident is that the field is growing so vastly i know a lot of people think like man why isn't there a cure yet if you actually are in the field there's been so many advancements there's so many new drugs compared to five ten years ago Believe me, because I have to learn these drugs. Right. Uh, that it's incredible what we're able to do. Like, hey, we might have some listeners that, listeners that don't believe doctors in the healthcare, though. They're their own doctors. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, like, provide example. Like nowadays with lung cancer, like we've gotten amazing at learning the what we call driver mutations, right? The, the mutations that cause, like, essentially are responsible for the cancer, and we have developed like specific pills against these mutations and. These are pill chemos that people tolerate better, that are more effective, that people live longer. Like before, we lived like under a year with metastatic lung cancer. Now people are living multiple years, right? Awesome. Myeloma, a blood, a blood cancer disorder. Um, people would die within a year to two years. Now people are living over a decade. Uh, I think that you know there there are certain aspects or certain fields in oncology that we're still behind, right? Particularly like GI cancers, like pancreatic cancer, for example. We're we're behind, we're behind. It's obvious. Like that's pretty. Yeah, we're, we're, or like there's been. I should say behind. Maybe like a lack of advancement. Is, is does that have to do with the investment in it? Not necessarily. I think there's quite a bit of investment in the field of oncology. Okay. Um, there's a lot of money going into research. It's just the biggest thing is finding targets to make drugs for. Right. So, for example, um, blood cancers, leukemias, lymphomas. We've gotten so much better at finding good targets uh, on the cells of the cancer to make these drugs for, which are amazing because we're talking about, we're talking about essentially, I think in the future, and it's already happening now, I, I think that we're going to be using chemo less and less and using these targeted therapies more. Talk about that. I don't know what that is, targeted therapy. Yeah, so, so essentially what it is, is um, there's a couple things in, in cancer cells, just to keep it, you know, as simple as possible for, for, for the listeners. Yeah, let's keep it vanilla defense here, you know, cover yeah, three, cover yeah. three. Basically, cancer cells have certain markers on them, okay. right? And what we can do, right, the thing is what chemo does is chemo is like a shot wound, right? It attacks everything, 
right? So it will attack your cancer cells, but it also attacks your good cells, which is why you feel like crap, right? It attacks your, you know, your your gut. That's why you got na- you get nauseous. It attacks your your cells for your blood cells, so you feel tired, right? That's the problem. But imagine making a treatment where it targets only the cancer cells because the cancer cells express a certain marker, right? That's what we're doing nowadays, right? That's that's what we're we're targeting. We're targeting these specific markers and specific patients, and these are treatments that are way better tolerated than chemo, that are more effective than chemo, and I think that's the future. Like that's the future of oncology, is targeted therapies and another thing called bite therapies, which to make it more simple is one thing that cancer is also good at is that cancer is very good at every day our bodies are kind of are fighting cancer cells, right? The reason is, is that our bodies has our, as a defense system that is able to detect whenever there's an abnormal growth and shut it down before it gets to a point of cancer. But what is, what happens with cancer sometimes is that the cancer kind of is smart to find ways to evade, like evade the defense of our own immune system. Right. But nowadays you're, therapy and bite therapies we're getting better at not only just having drugs target the cancer cells but having drugs that make our own immune system recognize the cancer and attack the cancer so i mean it's it's incredible like it's incredible what's happening and i'm i wouldn't want to be a part of any other field because i can't wait to see the next 10 20 30 years of what's going to happen in this field of oncology yeah i'm excited i'm excited to hear about it too so as you're learning about it come back on as a plus one 100%, 100%, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but while you're on here now, I know this is something that, that's uh, talked about and not really understood because, again, actually, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. I was in Arkansas last year, two years ago, a year and a half ago, and I was talking to a OBGYN. Is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. Baby delivery is what I say. But <laughs> awesome lady, awesome lady. And so because I'm – because I'm a finance guy and because I work in M&A, mergers and acquisitions, buying and selling, I think about things from the billing side. Like, that's what I think about, right? That's, that's how I'm wired. And I was curious, hey, how do doctors get paid? How does this work? Anyways, instead of me telling anyone about it, how does it work for you? How does billing work? Reimbursements? Uh, it seems like there's assumptions that, you know, hospitals make money off of COVID. You know, break some of this stuff down for us. If you, if you're, I know you might feel passionate about this. Talk to us about this. 100%. So I'm going to talk strictly just from the hospital standpoint. I'll leave the clinic aside because I think people are more interested from the hospital standpoint. So how it works when it comes to billing in the hospital, right, is that the you get admitted with a certain diagnosis, COVID, heart failure, whatever. And there's certain complexities. There's like level five, five levels of complexity with, within that diagnosis, right? But the insurance companies, what they do is that they are giving you a flat rate for that diagnosis. So let's say you come in with heart failure, even if it's level five, high level, you're super sick. We'll give you 50 grand, whatever, for that admission. What that means is, right, you're, the hospital is only getting compensated 50 grand, no matter what, how long the patient's in the hospital, right, no matter the, any extra tests that's conducted in the hospital the hospital kind of eats the cost um and that's it so to kind of use an analogy because my dad's a construction worker and i'll use that as an analogy right so imagine adam 
Right. You are a tenant in your apartment. I'm the landlord. And let's say our friend Ben is the uh <laughs> is is like the um or you're you're the tenant, I'm the landlord, okay? Ben's the contractor, right? Well, let's be real. If that's the whole situation, Ben's gonna be our uh he's gonna be our lawn care service is what he really yeah, is. If, ben, if Ben's <laughs> responsible for fixing your building, we're in trouble. But let, let's just <laughs> so let's okay, just say it again. Yeah. I'm the tenant, you're the I'm you're the tenant, I'm the landlord, right? And Ben is the contractor, right? So you're the patient, the tenant, right? I'm I'm the landlord, right? Uh, so I am the uh, the insurance company, and Ben is the contractor, the hospital, right? Slash doctor. So how it works is, so for example, like you you say to you know to Ben, like you know, or Ben comes up to me, you're like, hey, I, my my kitchen's broken, like I need a new kitchen. Yeah. Right. So I, I have heart failure. About, I have heart failure, right? Yeah, you have heart failure, whatever. So I'm kitchen's like, okay, broke, heart failure. Your kitchen's broken. If you get, I'm, I, I talk to Ben. I'm like, hey Ben, I'll give you twenty grand. Go fish. Go go fix the kitchen. Ben's getting twenty grand, whether it takes him one day, one week, one year, fix that kitchen. He's getting twenty grand, right? So if the patient's there one day, one week, one month, they get the same amount of money, which that's just how it is. That's how the reimbursement works. So, but imagine this as well. Imagine you're like. You know what? You talk to Ben like, "Hey, um, my my bathroom's broken too. Can you fix that as well?" Like, let's say you, as a patient, you have something else going on, right? Right. And me, as the landlord, talking to Ben like, "No, you're. We agreed on twenty grand. You want to fix the bathroom? You can go ahead, but you're only gonna get twenty grand." So obviously, the hospital's gonna be like, "Well, we don't want to do this here as an inpatient because we're gonna lose money." So, you know. Leave the hospital, get this done as, a, as an outpatient, which makes no sense because they're already there. You think you might as well do whatever that is, that procedure, but it, you know they don't. They lose money, so that's how it works from a billing standpoint, right? They get a certain amount, you know, anything extra, they eat the cost. Any other extra days, they they eat the cost, and that's how insurance reimburses hospitals, which is not the greatest system, but that's what it is. So what? Why do they push them to outpatient for the extra stuff? Tell me about that. Yeah, so basically the reason is is like for example, going back to our example we just used, you're getting paid twenty grand to fix the kitchen. Well, if you wanted to fix the bathroom at the same time, right, the bathroom would cost you an extra ten grand to make, right? But you're not gonna get that extra ten grand. You can fix the bathroom, but guess what? You're doing two jobs and getting paid the same amount of money. So that's what it is. That's what happens. That's why anything that's considered extra right and that you came in for as a patient you you're deferred to as an outpatient which sucks i agree like it's just not right like so what happens is what happens is in that situation i come in i have heart failure so let's just use an example it's 20 grand you're the doctor you come in you're like hey he's also got a right leg issue right yep. and then they're like well hey we're only doing 20 grand then you fix the 20 the, the heart problem then I get pushed to outpatient for the other issue. Yep. 100%. Okay. Gotcha. Um, which, like I said, from the patient standpoint, it's like, well, why? Like, why is it making any sense? I said, that's just how it works with, you know. Insurance. Are they? Do they talk? Do they make talks about improving that? It seems like it's a pretty no, like a no-brainer, but it, it's really the. It sounds like the insurance company has the the, the ball in their court on that. Am I right? It really does. It really does. The insurance companies have the ball in the court, um, and. 
you know, the healthcare system in general is a very complicated matter. Um, I'm not going to get into like, as far as like socialized medicine versus like privatized medicine because that that's a whole other hour of, of talk. But I, I think that, you know, what we can do is like a nice balance and have, you know, the a, a little bit of government regulation, right? Like, uh, for example, on these pharmaceutical companies, they mark up the price of the drugs by 600%, right? Um, and you're not just throwing that number out here. You're being factual. No, like, that's, no, that's factual. Like, it's 600% or more. Like, that's they mark it up, right? So, for example, and, and the problem is the pharmaceutical companies, are, it's, it's kind of like a monopoly, right? So, in America, we, we pride ourselves on capitalism and competition. Well, there's no competition, right? So, imagine if McDonald's was the only place selling burgers. They could drive up the price of burgers, whatever. People, the only place you're getting a burger is McDonald's. Right. But that's not the case. We have Wendy's, we have Burger King. So that's why we either need to A, regulate it with the government, or B, have increased competition, which we are now getting with Mark Cuban's new pharmacy that is selling drugs, at generic drugs, at just a little bit above manufacturing costs. He's awesome, dude. That's why he's awesome. Shout out Mark Cuban him. for that. I remember I reading him. about that. Love him. Like, just yeah. amazing. It, it's, he's doing more of as a fuck you to the pharmaceuticals, which I love. Right. He's bringing capitalism to their little monopoly. <laughs> you know, they need that. That's what you need. Yeah. And yeah. If you, competition is good, right? Competition is good for – we always taught that in economics. In business, it's just, it is it is good, right. I mean, there's, there are stories in business of – I forget when Steve Jobs, obviously Apple and Bill Gates, right, and Microsoft – I remember one of them was in financial trouble. I think this is a legit story. I, I've, I read a lot, obviously, in college and, and heard somewhere. Again, fact check me if you want. I can look it up. But one of them gave, like one of the companies gave them money to borrow because they wanted them to stay afloat because competition was, is a good thing for them, right? Yeah. So, good stuff, man. Good stuff. Okay. Uh, just to summarize, we're going to step away from medicine. But one last question. You know, I'm not saying no time limit on it, but you could be, if you could be concise – and I know you just touched on some stuff, but if there's one area, or maybe it could be general, it could be high level, it could be in your actual niche area, where could America really improve with regard to medicine and overall healthcare system? What would you like to see? Improve? So, you know, uh, I'll, I'll keep it brief and I'll keep it simple. <laughs> I'm always doing a pet peeve of mine, which is criticizing something, but you got to offer a solution, right? It's easy to criticize, but you got to offer a solution. And I'll start really simple here. I mean, this is the whole topic that just to throw one little thing that can make things better. And we're starting to see this more, right? I think we need to emphasize a healthy lifestyle more here in America. What I mean by that is, you know what the best way to beat cancer is? (laughs) Not getting cancer in the first place, right? right? So when COVID happened, there was a dramatic spike in cancer cases because people stopped getting their, their cancer screenings, right? We know, we have data that proves that exercise, weight loss, is actually decreases your risk of cancer. <laughs> Don't. Why this is this? Is death. Okay, this is shocking news that some people saw. <laughs> right, yeah. So, you know, which is just, I know, mind-blowing, right? Right. So, what I mean by that is, for example, nowadays, it's, it's getting more popular as far as incentivizing people to work. So, for example, where I work, even, in the hospital... You can get a money bonus. You can get six hundred dollars if you are um, if you complete their health screening, right? So you know, incentivizing people to be healthier, right? It's just a win all around. I love that. Um, incentivizing people to, you know, women to do their mammograms so we catch breast cancer earlier. People who do do colonoscopies so we catch catch colon cancer earlier. That is the that right there would save 
medical costs so much because you know as much as i love the field of oncology it's expensive these new yeah. drugs i'm talking about these are expensive some of these it can be like fifty thousand dollars an infusion like it's just ridiculous so uh, preventing that from happening in the first place would be the best at least a, a simple solution to make yeah. healthcare. oh man it, it's crazy just on the you know i'm, I'm big into fitness obviously and, and just in general healthy lifestyle people will say oh man but it's expensive to eat healthy and i think it's going to be expensive when you have health issues. <laughs> That's which, which one do you want to have? You want to spend a little more now and be healthier longer and enjoy your life, enjoy your lifestyle. Or do you want to pay the piper down the road, kick that can down the road, and that's going to be really expensive and your lifestyle is going to suck. I mean, people get angry about like, uh, why don't we have a cure for cancer? Well, actually, you know what the number one cause of death in America is actually not cancer. It's actually heart failure, heart disease. So but we don't see people getting crazy about, oh, we got to gotta control diabetes better. We got to, you know, control, like, limit Krispy Kreme donuts. Like, we don't see we don't see that. But, like, that is an easy fix that we can do to make healthcare better here in America. I was talking to someone recently, and I'm not going to name them. It's not someone in my life. And they were talking about how, you know, again, put it into perspective. It's January in the Chicago area of Illinois. And we haven't seen the sun in a while, and it's cold. And they, this person works, and they're talking about all their health issues and their anxiety and not feeling well. First question I ask, when was the last time you were outside other than just going to work? Oh, not much. Been sitting around a lot. Okay. When was the last time you exercised? Uh, probably in the summer I went for a walk. Okay. Have you been hydrating, right? And Nah, a little bit, but it's hard. And you just go down that list, right? And then they wonder why they don't feel well. Yeah. We're human beings. We're not meant to do that. We're meant to just go for a five-minute walk. You'd be amazed. Eat a little, eat a good meal. Go for a walk. Break a sweat once a day. And I mean, I mean, it's not complicated, but it, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I, I do have empathy if I if, when I think about doctors. They're so busy. They got so many patients. I'm sure it's hard to like. I get it, and I just imagine you've got the medicine that you kind of get. I'm not saying you get pushed to put people on, but sometimes I'm like, man. Tell these people hit a treadmill, go to the gym, go for a walk, go for a run. All the time, bro. Right. We, and and all the time, actually, if a lot of doctors, like, we are, like, I think sometimes we get this very misconception that we want to push people. I always tell people, I always, I don't want to give a medication unless it's absolutely necessary. Not every doctor's like that, right, Tom? You know, no, I mean, a, a, good, a good amount of them are. Right? Okay, good. Well, that's good some, to know. Of them, some of them might be busy where they're like, you know what, I, I'm just going to give them this medication. It's easier to the way I'll describe it. It's easier to just prescribe a medication than it is to take the time to counsel, educate, and reassure your patient. It takes it's it actually it's way harder to not prescribe that medication from our standpoint, right? We don't right. Have 15, we got fifteen minutes to see this patient. It's it's busy. We got charting to do, orders to put in. You know, uh, deal with BS insurance companies. Like it's a busy day. It's a hectic lifestyle, right? If somebody's complaining about, I don't know, right? So, you know, for example, like osteoarthritis, it's easy to just give them a, a, a you know a medication for pain meds. It's hard to be like, hey, man, like if you lose weight, guess what? That's less pressure on your knees and you'll feel better. And talking through that and making a diet plan and counseling on that, that takes more time. That takes more effort from our standpoint. So uh, that's just the way it is. Um, well, I'm happy to hear that because, again, anyone listening, again, we're on Ad Plus when we got stopped here. We're talking about – a lot of things in medicine, the improvements we want to see. And right now we're really hammering at the point about how doctors go about prescribing medicine over just a lifestyle change, a healthy lifestyle change, right? The, the conflict there with the 15-minute window that you have with a lot of these patients, the easy route, the hard route, kind of reminds me, I don't have kids. We're going to talk about you having a kid. 
your kid is being annoying, you have a long day, you have to just focus for 20 minutes, you just give them the iPad, right? Yep. Here's the iPad. Just go go away from me. I need to get this done, right? That's the easy yep. way. The hard way is to show them up, to train them, condition them to have patience, right? So that's how I see that analogy. I, I love that. Now, let's transition. One more, one more professional question. Do you plan on working as a doctor for, for the long run at this moment? It's going to change. Can you see yourself venturing off? Because, I mean, eventually, right, you're going to be financially secure earlier than most people, right? We can we know that. I can look up how much the average is, right? We don't have to beat around that bush. Or do you? could you see yourself? I think we talked at a wedding. You, were, you mentioned you were going to grind, and then you wouldn't be surprised if you stepped away. What do you? Could you see yourself doing something else? Could you see that at this moment? Good question. So for, uh, you're absolutely right. Financially, I mean, compared to what my dad's salary is, like was, like all his life, like it's people get so greedy. Like it's just, I'm going to be very blessed and fortunate. I think for me. Hey, but you've worked very hard for it too. Let's not. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I think the ultimate, the ultimate goal financially for anybody is to reach a point where you work not because you have to work, you work because you want to. So I, I always, you know, Ben, our, our good friend, he asked me, like, would you work if you won the lottery? I said, yes, I would. And what I mean by that is I love what I do. I love being a doctor. I love the physician. I love the you know, meeting patients, having this close relationship, the special relationships, the people I've met, just incredible, and affecting people's lives. But I, what I would do is instead of, guess what, instead of having to rush 15 minutes and because ha- of the business aspect, my, I would open my own clinic. I'd be like, I'm going to spend an hour with these patients. patients. I'm going to take my time. I'm going to help them. I'm going to ask them how they are, how their kids are. I, I'm going to help people you know, work to help people because that's what I want to do. So, you know, for me, I want to grind in the beginning, but eventually, like, I want to reach a point where I would, I would still work, but I would do it because I want to work, right? I want to help people. I, and have more control over the pace, too. Yeah, and, and, and another thing, too, is, like, the amount of hours I have spent studying. <laughs> it would be a shame to, you know, it's a shame to throw that knowledge away, right? To go Absolutely. Because, like, the saddest thing in life is, like, wasting talent. Like, you know, you don't want to waste your knowledge to help people to make you know to help people get treat people with this very serious condition such as cancer that i would always want to work but uh i would want to do it on my terms absolutely speaking of taking knowledge using it helping someone mentoring someone sounds a lot like what you're going to be doing here very shortly for a very long time at least for 18 years (laughs) so Tell me, tell me what it's like at this moment. You're about to be a dad. When are you? When is the? When's the expectation date? And how are you feeling? June nineteenth. Congrats, um, brother. Hey, that's close to Father's Day, dude. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, hey, that's the gift that keeps on giving for you, man. I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, gonna have a son. Um, a son, okay. Man, uh, just you know, so many thoughts, so many thoughts. Terrified, excited. Uh, happy, nervous, all in once. Uh, when I when I found out, I was just so like couldn't think. You know, just couldn't think. I I think for me, I'm I'm looking forward to it more than anything because I want to. It's funny because I, I what I want to do is I want to become like my kid's best friend. Right. You know, uh, of course I want to be a father figure with him, but I want to, you know, 
take him to games and have fun and like have fun with him and talk sports and everything. And at the same time, right, be a father figure where I want him to become his own man, right? And become a good man, right? And become a good man where he treats people right, he does the right thing. Um, I'm not even talking about like like I don't care what he you know, as long as it's not legal, obviously. I don't care what he does for work. I just want him to become a good person, right? Yeah. And man, I gotta be better. I gotta be a better person so he can so I can be a role model for him, right? Absolutely. Um, because we always look at our fathers, so and I always look at my father. I'm like, man, I have such a great dad. That how do I become what he became? Right? He sacrificed so much for his kids that I'm like, man, I hope I can do the same thing. So uh, it's going to be a challenge, and it's going to be everyone I talk to who's a father. I've been asking them, and they say it's the best thing in their life. And I, I can't wait, man. I, I'm just head over heels. The best thing in my life right now is my wife, and now. Having a child, a son, it's just going to be the best thing ever, and I can't wait. No, man, that's amazing. It's so well put. And going back to something you said earlier, this this doctor that doubted your ability to become a doctor and get matched, if any person doubts how great of a father you're going to be, if you're going to be able to pick up the mantle and carry what your dad did and, and improve that legacy – if you could, if they did, if there is someone out there that did that, I promise you, you will be able to send them text messages down the road and say, average dad, what? Average dad, what? Because I have no doubt in my mind that your kid will be a great person because they're going to see a great role model. So that's all you want, man. That's all you want. You, you don't, you just I'm excited for you. More hey, people like people like you. I always, I always think about this. Great people need to keep creating, right? <laughs> create more. So like when I see someone like you having a kid and that, that's not that, you know, Hey, everyone should do what they want, but it's it's exciting because I now know it's gonna grow up in a great home. This person, you know, your kid, and and hopefully, you know, it adds more value to the world, right? And so that's awesome. Tell me how the wife's doing right now. She's great, man. She's uh, second. She's healthy. Year. Everything's good. Healthy. Everything's good. Uh, you know. So, a question: How's this work, bro? Like, you're gonna be at work, right? So, like, have the baby come on in. Like, if she for water breaks, you're just gonna have to walk on down and. <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny. Um, so I'm a doctor, obviously. My wife is just finishing up nursing school. She takes the NCLEX thing, so she's been studying for that. It's a, it's a um, like board exam for nurses. Um, and I was like, man, like, you know, trying to figure it, – it's so hard, man. Like, at the end of the day, it requires sacrifice. So, you know, tell a quick story. You know, I met one of the bosses who's, like, in charge of the Department of Medicine. And, where I did residency in Springfield Southern Illinois University. His wife was no slouch, man. His wife was a corporate lawyer, right? And they had kids, and um, his wife said something that will always, like, reminisce with me about it. His wife said something like, you know, I, I, somebody in the relationship has to sacrifice, right? And really both, and somebody more. So I always say, she's like, I always say that we were a medicine family over a law family because when it came time to pick up the kids, time to take these kids to um, the doctor's appointments she did so you know we're we're working on through those details um you know obviously i have some time off from my like maternity leave so uh but we're just it's gonna have to be sacrificed it's gonna have to be sacrificed on both parts to make this work because otherwise it won't work absolutely and i know i trust that'll that'll be great i can't wait to hear about how how it works out and 
and where everything leads. That kid is in great hands, and I'm, I'm happy that we get to talk about it now so we can revisit it later on, whether I'm on your podcast or on my podcast. I can't wait to have Saban down the road as a plus one, but we might have to re- retitle that to plus two because I'd like to see the baby in your arms forever. Yeah, yeah, right. In yeah, person, virtual. <laughs> hey, well, you can. Pro- I can promise you this. Every time that kid has a birthday, he'll be getting some type of protein something from me, whatever it is. Hey, a little, a little uh, Hasbulid shirt, maybe, maybe, yeah. the Rocks, maybe the Rocks brand. We'll hook it up. So we're looking oh, yeah. forward to it. Oh, yeah. Thanks, brother. I appreciate yeah. that. So again, we're here on Abs Plus One. We've got Saab here. Uh, we're crushing through. We got a few more topics to hit on before we, we wrap things up. Let's. We, we've dived into some deep stuff. We've had some fun. We've talked journey. We've talked your medicine career. We've talked your youth. We've talked Ramadan. We've talked your religion, your spiritual journey. Let's dive into some lighter topics. All right. Okay, I love it. Let's jump into movies. Movies, okay. movies, movies. I love. Movies. I texted Saab before. I said, "Dude, tell me your list of favorite movies so we can have we can we can chop it up on those." So. The one that I chose, I want, I want to talk about because I'm a Star Wars nerd myself. So, all time Star Wars favorite Jedi. Who is it? Why go? All right. So, I'm not gonna lie. This was probably the toughest topic that we're <laughs> <laughs> not a hey, toughest topic. Not about being a dad. Not about <laughs> not anything else. <laughs> toughest topic, easily. Okay. So. I'm, I'm, I'm making this list have as, like, if I was making a starting five, right? <laughs> this man always relates to basketball, dude. Can't right, stay like, away from the game. Who, who would I want, right? All right. So, no particular order. Or do you want it in order? No, dude. Hey, 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 hey. You're the star of the show. Okay, <laughs> Just here to keep us on track, dude. Obviously, obviously, we got to have Master Yoda in there, right? Teaches Luke Skywalker, mentors him, you know. And then the oldest, he's, I, he's, I believe. Is this your, is this your favorite Jedi's by the way? Yeah. yeah favorite Jedi. I love, I love him. I love him that he's able to mentor people. And not only that calming presence, right. And, and, and just his quotes. His quotes <laughs> are awesome, dude. He's a, he's a walking aphorism. Yeah. Like I would, he feels like a cool hand. Like besides him being so powerful, he feels like a cool hand. Love him. Okay. A badass one to me. He's a badass. I love Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren's a badass. I love Kylo Ren. You know, I know technically he's on the dark side, but he was a Je- he was a Jedi before. Yeah, he got trained. Uh, he he got trained to be a Jedi. Just a badass. You know, seems like he's as cool as the other side of the pillow. Uh, just love him. Lightsaber's badass. Love it. Um, other ones. I ain't gonna lie. He's he's not he's not a Jedi. But Darth Maul's a badass. Badass, dude. Oh my god. Darth Maul with his lightsaber, the dual lightsaber. Oh my god. I mean, love him. And uh, I love uh, my man Liam Nielsen was a great, great Jedi. Quinn John Jinn. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah, I loved him. And then the last one, I think I have to go with it. Uh, Not a Jedi, technically, but I'm just going to throw him out there. I got to give him some love. My man Mando, bro. <laughs> you love Mando, bro. Mando, <laughs> bro. That's your guy. Okay. New season okay. coming up shortly. Watch it. It's gonna be amazing. Awesome, awesome. Okay. Uh, one more to answer. One more reply. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna ask a question, and then let me give you some more bit background for context. Most powerful Jedi to you? I know that they actually can rank them. Most powerful Jedi to you, and here, here's, here's the scenario. Okay. 
It's like when you say who's the best quarterback of all time, and then someone goes, fourth quarter, who do you want, right? Okay, give me, I'm going to give you a scenario. You're on the ground. You look up. You're, you're stumbling on, on your back, and you see Darth Sidious walking at you. He's about to force lightning you, right? And you, you know that when you turn, there's only one Jedi there to protect you and take this man out. What Jedi are you like? That would make me feel the most confident. Like, I'm good. Who is it? Who's most powerful to you? In that moment. We'll use that as context. Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan, really? Dang. You know what? I was going to bed last night. I was like, man, I wonder what he's going to say about Obi-Wan. Because it sounds like, well, we see him get beat by Dooku. But it's like, this man's a Sith fiend, dog. (laughs) Hey, man. Obi-Wan defeated Anakin, right? He defeated him. He saw it, right? Young Anakin, too. And he could he could have he could have like could have killed Anakin back then. He obviously didn't do so, right? So Obi Wan to me, man, and he he's responsible for granted making Darth Vader, but he defeated him. So I would want the guy who defeated Darth Vader. Awesome, awesome in Disney Plus, by the way. That that new um, that moment, bro, between them was one of the best. That I love what they did there. We got a few more things. Uh, one more, okay, another one word. Favorite Star Wars movie of all time? One word answer. What you got? Empire Strikes Back. Got it. Love it. Okay. Best scene from the movie? Obviously, it's the most common one. Uh, Luke, I am your father. Oh, yeah. Great scene. Great scene. Okay. We got two more things to go through. Rank your top five songs to train to in the gym. Okay. Top five. For eight. From, from five to four. Go ahead. Five. Okay. Five. Remember the name. Four, Roots, Flowrider. Three, Hearts on Fire, John Caffrey. Two. Hey, by the way, I posted that song, Hearts on Fire, and you liked it. The ro- from Rocky, right? Rocky Four, bro. Rocky Four. Listen, best training montage in any movie of all time, Rocky Four. It's not even close. I don't want to hear it, man. It's Rocky Four. And if you it, for the young for the young buds who haven't watched Rocky Four. Please watch it. That's the first thing you should do tonight is watch Rocky Four. Beautiful, beautiful symmetry. Uh, he's running. The guy's running on an incline treadmill. He's running on the snow. He's doing. Uh, he's doing the overhead press with the barbell. He's doing it with like them on the on the thing, right? Like everything he's doing, the tricep extension he's doing with. It's just like, it just shows that grit, right? I love it. I love it. Okay, that's, that. Keep going. Sorry. Two. X gonna give it to you. Dmx. Ah, keeping it real. Uh, R.I.P. And then one, gotta go with Slim Shady till I collapse. Let's go, Eminem. Boom. <laughs> gotta go. Favorite, Shady, hey, favorite line or bar in the song from Eminem till I collapse. Sorry. Uh, so he, he, there's a there's a part of the course where he's like, like till my wound gives out, till my leg gives out. Like basically he's talking about like how until he dies he's gonna keep grinding. So yeah, one of my favorite parts in that song. I apologize. Yeah, no, you're good. The third verse of that song, when he, I think the third verse of that song is probably one of the best. Like, I mean, I'm, we're big Eminem fans. But I'll look it up real quick. The third verse, Till I Collapse. By the way, there's a nice, uh, speaking of Kobe, there's a really nice Kobe mixtape to Till I Collapse. Love Send it to me. Send it to me. Yeah, oh, I definitely will. So, right here, right? Soon as the verse starts, I eat at an MC's heart. What is he thinking? How not to go against me smart. Like, I love what he goes into on the third verse. 
Because what Eminem really, the whole song is about, because he talks about the list, and he doesn't care that he's on the list. The whole song, Eminem's like, I don't care about being on your top ten or being liked. All I care about is that I'm a real MC. And what he, and what he says there on the third verse is that you can say whatever you want about me, but if we were going to have a rap battle, you'd know that as soon as the verse starts, you're going to get, you're in for everything. Like everything that you, that you're going to get everything from me and it's going to be real. Like you're going to know what you're up against here. A real MC. And I, I'm like, man, that's why I love Eminem. By the way, going back on Kobe, that's why I love Kobe. Kobe didn't do commercials, man. Kobe played basketball. Eminem, you never see him in commercials. Eminem wrote music and produced rap music. So anyways, I love that list. All right, man. We've had Saab here on this episode. This is episode three, first virtual episode. We've had a lot of fun. We've went we went everywhere, man. We went through deep topics, fun topics, movies. It's been enlightening for me. I hope it's enlightening to the listeners. This episode will be on Spotify. It will be on iHeartRadio. It will be on Apple Music, etc. But before we go, closing questions, Saab. If I talk to you in 40 years, 50 years, what would you want to be remembered for when it's all said and done? Legacy, right? This is a tough question. What would what do you want your legacy to be? Man, great question. Um, the number one thing I want to be, I guess, remembered for, for legacy-wise, is just having a positive impact on people's lives. Um, and what I mean by that is we always encounter so many different people in our lives. And, you know, we were talking about, like, being petty and people who maybe were negative encounters. Actually, you forget the negative encounters. But for me, the, I never forget the people who had a positive effect in my life. I, I never forget the people who helped me reach my goals. And I want to do – I want to pay it forward. I want to help people younger than me reach their goals, help people who are – you know, professionally in the, in the field of cancer or struggling through something so serious, help them, you know, uh, get through it, you know. And um, that's the number one thing I want to be remembered for, that I, I helped as many people as I could, that I had a positive impact on their lives. Um, and I, I, that's all I can hope for. Well, I can tell you this, man. Just from my experience being friends with you, you've always had that impact on me. When I, I think I told a story already on my first episode, which will be released here shortly. I sat with my mom and we had dinner and it was, I think the, literally the night that I came on that, your podcast, I told her I wasn't leaning into my strengths and that I needed to live up to my full potential. Right. It's like, you're, you're almost on autopilot. You're doing all the things you're typically doing, but there's that extra layer that you could go and you haven't been doing that. And so getting excited to go on your podcast, seeing you host it and just how you interact with me. And, and I know that, that when I share good news with you, you uplift that. And I know that you challenge me in ways. And so you've always had a positive impact on me. You're doing that for me. I know you'll do that to anyone you touch. Keep doing it. I love it. Appreciate you, man. I respect the hell out of you. That's why you're on here. You're in the, you know, and so can't wait to come on to, uh, you know, real talk with Sal Bacuzzi. Hey, Thank you for this. Thank you for jumping on here, man. I've, I've had a blast. I hope you've had fun. Thank you. I had a blast. Um, you know, Adam, you're, you're, Always, always, every time I talk to you, it puts a smile on my face. For the listeners, please check out Adam's Plus One. Adam is just an amazing human being that we need more of these people in our lives. Uh, his content's great. And I'm telling you, like you will, you will learn so much from this man. And please, please, please give it a follow. And I can't wait for what's to come. Well, thank you, sir. You were the star today. Hey, 
hey, you're you're the you're the A-list actor. I'm that support role. That's what I did today, right? Like, you know, you're Rocky. I'm Mickey today, right? Oh man, so, hey, I'm making you run and go get the Rocky, chicken. <laughs> I'm making you run and go get the chicken, but hey, man, hey. I love Mickey though. <laughs> <laughs> you fight like a bum. <laughs> yeah, you can't win. <laughs> One of my favorite scenes ever is in Rocky Two. No, Rocky. Yeah, Rocky Two. When he's like, no, is it Rocky Two? Yeah, it's gotta be Rocky Two. Nah, maybe it's Rocky. It's Rocky One, man. One of my favorite scenes is when he goes to the corner, and he can't see, and he's like, "Mick, I can't see. You gotta cut my eye." He goes, "You don't want to do it." He's like, "Nah, cut me, Mick." So they cut his eye. Right? He goes out there the last round, and he finishes. But I just love that scene. He's like, "I can't finish, man. I, I, I can't see." But before that round, the fourteenth round, when he gets knocked down, and Mickey tells him to stay down, and he gets up, dude. One of the best moments in any movie because the night before he knew, well, I'm not going to beat this guy, but no one's ever went the distance. I'm just going to go the distance. When I think about winning in life, right, it's you start small and you just take small steps and get better. And so his first goal was, I'm just going to finish the fight. I don't care what happens. I'm not going to quit. And the first step to becoming a winner is don't quit. And Rocky literally, they, the way they wrote the, those two movies back to back was the first time he just didn't quit. And then the second time, it's like now that you haven't quit, now you can go for the win. Now, now it's time to change the gear. I haven't quit. I've stuck with it. Now I'm gonna go and beat this guy. I think that's what you can do with anything in life, right? Just don't quit. Quit tomorrow. Go one more, right? So, keep it up with your podcast, dude. I love what you're doing. Can't wait to come on. Please have me on soon because hey, 100%. Bears free agency's coming, coming up, bro. up, baby. Bears off season. Like I said, <laughs> biggest off season in Bears history. Can't wait to see what happens. Hell yeah! Thanks for coming on top again, guys. You'll catch this episode on Spotify, Apple, Apple Music, and iHeartRadio. Adams Plus One, episode three with Saab. We had a great time. Virtual episode. Tell your wife I said, keep going. Keep, keep doing well. All the best wishes. I'll talk to you soon, Saab. Hello, you guys say hi, and uh, hopefully we'll see each other soon. Absolutely. See, see you later, brother. Take it easy. Peace.